Welcome to Mission Viejo Christian Church. Today, Pastor Mike Maiola is bringing the word to you. So open up your Bibles and listen in. I'm excited about this series called Thanksgiving because I, I truly believe that God wants to set his people free. I believe he wants to set us to a new reality of freedom with him. And, and part of that is just giving back of everything that we are. I am, can I just say that um, before we launch out into the text today, I am deeply concerned about our nation. I am deeply concerned. I mean, passionately concerned. So much that I don't want to just grieve over what's happening in our nation. God, push me to action. God, Move me into a place of passion for you where, God, I am praying, God, the church, your church is praying for a national revisitation, God, of the gospel. I, I, I want to see hearts changed. I want to see lives changed. I mean, mass shootings, pipe bombs being sent through the mail. Tucker Carlson's family on Fox News, was, his wife was bombarded and, and by Antifa inside their front home and swastikas uh, painted all over their driveway. I mean, what is going on? And on top of that, we have the world system that pressures us. You need this. You, you should have this. You need to buy this. And if we're not careful that the church, God's people, can be so swept up, we look like the world. Listen, we don't want to look like the world. We, we, we've been cut above because of what Jesus has done for us. I am so grateful and so thankful that you are here today. I, I truly mean that. I believe it's no accident that you're here. I believe you're here on purpose. And God has a wonderful plan to reveal to us on how we can truly walk in freedom. How many of you today want to walk in freedom? I certainly do. And in the area of finances, man, I want to be free. I don't want to be under the threat of what might happen. I want to know what God's given me. And I want to know that what I'm investing in is investing in eternity. God, I believe, wants to so touch your life. He wants to radicalize your life. He wants to radicalize us for the kingdom of God, not for the kingdom of this world. I've never forget, I was sitting in my uh, seminary days when I was in college, and my professor, he talked like this, and he just, he was so passionate, he, he, would, he would lean over the desks, and he would say, you can never legislate morality. It's only changed by one heart at a time. The only change, the only way out of this situation in our nation, sure, we can put great people, prayerful people, Christian people in office. That's, that's wonderful. That's great. But, but, but the only hope, our only way out of this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, Amen. is the good news of God. When a person's heart gets set free, he has new life. Remember Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, three times he said, you must be born again. You must have an experience with me. You must be able to receive me into your heart. And therefore, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God. And it takes people who say they love God to live thankfully and live in the kingdom radically. Now, there are two realities. We can live in the old reality or we can live in the new reality. I want for you and I to have a new reality of what it means to walk with God and to give everything that we are to him. And yes, even in our finances. Now, I would not be a um, faithful pastor to you. Our staff, our entire ministry staff would not be faithful if we only told you things you wanted to hear. 
And that's kind of just human nature, isn't it? We want to hear what we want to hear. My job is to feed you good food. I want you to have food that, that profits your soul. I want you to have, even if it hurts a little bit, and even if it stings just a little bit, I want to give you truth. I do not want to stand before God, nor do I want any of you here to stand before God and hear the Lord say, well, you were halfway faithful in this. Let me, let me ask you a question. When you were dating your spouse, before they were your spouse, you were dating, remember those days? And we were, we were passionately in love. We'd stay up till 2.30 in the morning. We'd go to Denny's at midnight. We'd wake up at 6 in the morning and go to school or go to work. I mean, we did whatever it took to be with that person. We would save little notes. We would save the love notes. We would, we would do crazy things. Why? Because you're so crazy in love. And I would say in the same way, that we've got to be crazy in love with God that we'll do crazy things like give away our hearts to people that are just absolutely lost. Now, question. In the days of dating, what if, what if your spouse said to you, the moment you asked or she asked or he asked you to marry them, you said, well, you know, um, that'd be great, but I'm going to give you half my heart. Yeah. No way. You, you, want your, you want their whole heart, right? There's just no question. I mean, that's crazy. In the same way, God is wanting our whole heart. He wants our soul, our being, everything that we are, where we live kingdom living. Kingdom living is what God wants. And that really comes from having a thankful heart. I leaned over to our children's pastor this morning as she came up, and I thought did a wonderful job of just communicating, hey, we got to be thankful because in our world, there's pressure to not be thankful. It's a, pressure, a pressured world of being entitled. I am owed this. I deserve this. This is mine. And I leaned over and I said, you know what? If I didn't know Jesus, I know me. The way I was living before, I'd be dead. Literally, I wouldn't be here. I mean, this is where our church now should break out in praise and say, Pastor Mike, I'd be dead too. I guess I'm still waiting for... I know it's early. It's 9.39 in the morning. Well, let's wake up a little bit. Look, do we love Jesus with everything or not? That's the question. So here's the question I have for us regarding our giving, our finances. Where are we? I hope by the end of these next 22 minutes that you will know exactly where you are and where God wants you to be. I, I want us to be so crystal clear about this. I mean, I have a conviction that the people of God should be absolutely so crystal clear about what they're doing with their money and what they've been doing with what we have that the world will look at us and say, I want to live freely like that too. Well, your, your life is so blessed, I want to live the blessed life. How do you do that? Well, we've been through financial seminars, and we've gone to the right classes, and see, we're just extremely intelligent uh, 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 people. No. Look, at, I'm dumb. When I went to school, I had to work really hard to get the B+. I mean, really hard. And, and it's not because we're smart people. It's not because we have it all together. It's simply because we are loved by God and therefore we love him and we are so thankful we will put into practice his principles that are so simple. And I refuse, I refuse in my mind to fall into the world's trap about entitlement and I deserve this and this is mine. Now I might be tempted in those ways, but I refuse Devil, you have no place in my life. 
You have no place in this church. You have no place in my community. I'm taking back the neighborhood for you, God. And the way that I'm going to do that, Lord, I truly believe it's right living with what we have. There's just no other way around it. So the two realities are this. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about any other subject. And I don't think he did that because he was trying to guilt us to anything or threaten us. I think Jesus knew that if we're not careful, money can rule our life. It just, look, I live in the same world you do. I'm tempted with the same stuff you are. And I can say that if I'm not careful, I can be so tempted to buy the bigger, the better, the flashier, that it can spin so out of control, I lose all perspective of Jesus and kingdom living. And I don't want to do that. So I just want to say right out of the block here this morning, this is not a series to make you feel guilty. This is not about getting more money for the church. I sincerely mean that. This is not about the bottom line is we just want more money. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be free. I I want our church to have a goal. I would love for you personally to have a goal. You know what? When we go home today, we are putting together a financial plan. We are going to start working to live debt-free. We are going to get out of debt. Wouldn't that that be wonderful if the people of God were living at one point debt-free? It it can be done in Orange County. I believe that. Now, the old reality, in your notes, number one, the old reality is more things and more money will make me happy. Come on. That's just, I'm tempted to fall into that trap. More money and more things will make me happy. If that were true, millionaires and billionaires would never commit suicide. They'd be the happiest people on the face of the earth. And we know that that's just not the case. That's not, that's the old reality. That's the way I used to think. That was Mike kingdom living. Now I'm in the new reality because Jesus has so radically changed my heart. My new reality is this. We are not owners. We're just managers. We are stewards. We are managers of what he's given us. How do we know? Because Ecclesiastes 5.10 is so clear. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Now, it doesn't say it's wrong to have lots of money. It just says it's wrong if we love money more than anything else. I love what one pastor, Pastor Swindoll, said. It's not bad to have nice things as long as those nice things don't have us. That's good. That's good. I didn't make that up. I just write that down. I, I try and live by that one. That's a good one. So I I found something on the internet that I wanted to show you that I think illustrates this point so crystal clear. And and when you leave here today, I'm hoping you're going to remember this and say, I choose to not fall into my kingdom living, but God's kingdom. So we're going to show this video. And before we do, I just want to set it up. This is an experiment they did with two monkeys. They're in cage side by side. And their role, the monkey's role, was to give the person, you'll see outside the cage, a rock. If they picked up a rock and gave it to the uh, physicist or scientist, they got a reward. The the first cage you're going to see, this monkey that's going to give a rock through the little glass window, uh, she is going to then give him a small cucumber. The monkey on the other side of the cage receives a different kind of gift, a grape. And I just want you to watch the reaction to the one that had the cucumber. Let's roll this. This is hilarious. So she gives a rock to us. That's the task. 
and we give her a piece of cucumber and she eats it. The other one needs to give a rock to us. And that's what she does. And she gets a grape. And she eats it. The other one sees that. She gives a rock to us now, gets again cucumber. She tests a rock now against the wall. She needs to give it to us. And she gets cucumber again. <laughs> okay. So, right there, that is a perfect illustration of us. Let, let, let me just say, I, am, I, I can so easily become just like the one monkey in the cage on the left. I am, I, I just, there's certain things I like, and again, I want to say it's not bad to like things in the world. It's not, it's not bad to like nice things, nice cars and things. I love uh, off-roading. I, I love four-by-four trucks. I've just, I don't know, from the time I was a kid, uh, Tonka trucks and Hot Wheel trucks and everything. I just love trucks. And the higher that you can get on a truck, I'm like, wow, man, the higher you are to God. That, that's just, I, I just, it's just one of my things. I love those things. So I was looking, this is about seven, eight years ago, I was looking for a, a Suburban for our family because we had, you know, two little kids, Michael and Jonathan were little at the time and they had friends and we'd go places and we'd go up to the mountains and I just want to go through the snow and not put chains on. So I'm buying a four-wheel drive truck and so I'm going to find, you know, the highest one that I can. So I went out to the desert, found this thing on Craigslist. It was a, a black Suburban, year 2000. It was an older one. And I found this thing. This is, this is a picture one, almost just like the one that I had. It had about a four-inch lift on it, 35-inch um, BFG tires, four-wheel drive. I mean, you could take this thing over anything, little geo cars. You could go over a Ford Fiesta. I mean, I was just loving life. I am literally driving this thing down Mission Viejo, driving to work one day. I am sitting at a stoplight. I look over, and I see this, one just like this. And I'm like, I want that. Mine's not high enough. I want eight-inch lift. I want bigger tires. I want a newer one. I mean, look at that thing. It's just so much nicer. And, and what I want to say is it's human nature to want something bigger, better, nicer. And just for payments of $3.99, you can have it. For the next 72 years, $3.99, and you can have it, right? Listen. Some of us right now, the reality is we are in some major debt. Some of us are in some minor debt. Some of us in this room are actually living debt-free. And some of us are trying to figure all this out. And so whatever camp you are in, whatever tribe you're from this morning, I, I just want to give you helpful help. There is a way to live free financially. There's a way to live that way that Jesus purposed for us to live. Now, here is the raw reality. 65% of all married couples in the United States of America fight regularly, argue regularly about money. ABC News, one quarter of baby boomers have less than $1,000 saved in their bank account. The average college graduate has $30,000 in debt. That's just the average. More people have declared bankruptcy in our nation than graduate from college. 
One of the top three reasons when we do marital counseling, premarital counseling before couples get married, one of the areas we hit, and we hit it hard biblically so that you can have a great life, we hit the subject of money. It is one of the top three reasons for divorce. Not that we don't have enough or we have too much. It's that we come from different worlds and perspectives about money. And if we don't come to a biblical kingdom thinking unity, we're going to have some serious issues. So I want to say again, having lots of money is not ungodly. No way. I mean, if God gave you the gift to do business and do it well and make lots of money, praise God. You have more to give back. You have more to bless people with. I, I just put together this, this cycle here that I want us to look at. See if, see if this resonates with your heart. In the center, you'll see the OC cycle of finances. I just believe this is kind of how we live here in the South OC area. I've lived here for 30 years of my life, lived in Hawaii for six years. It's not as intense in Hawaii, but I think, you know, in our nation, we have different degrees of this cycle where up on the top in the center, you'll see we usually spend more than we make. That's just kind of the norm. And what happens is, is that we start to flow down, we start to worry. Am I going to be able to pay the bills? Am I going to be able to pay my child support? Am I going to be able to lease this car? Am I going to be able to afford college for my kids? We start to stay up and worry and churn, and it starts to affect us even physically. The next step is then we get into debt over our head. And it might start out small where, oh my gosh, the refrigerator busted. We got to go down to Best Buy and put down the credit card and we buy a whole new refrigerator, washer and dryer. And before we know it, we're in debt five, $6,000. And we start this process that just cycles and it almost feels like we can't get off this wheel. The next step is then, unfortunately, there are no margins for us. We're so strapped financially that we can't, Feel like, it feels like we can't do all the things that we really want to do. Plan for retirement. Give back to somebody in need. Take care of my kids. Retirement. All those things. It almost feels like we're so strapped because of the cycle, and we just keep repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. And I, I just want to let us know that Jesus has some wonderful news for us today. And that is, we can get out of the cycle. It is possible to get out of this cycle and start a new reality. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25. Jesus said it better than anyone else. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to start in verse 14. Jesus tells a story. I love this. Jesus is the master storyteller. He tells this parable that he wants so much, I believe, for his people to be set free. And so let's look at this together, and then we're going to just continue to wade through this for the next few moments. Jesus is telling stories and parables. This is before he's ready to die and go to the cross where he will soon rise from the dead and usher in this amazing kingdom living. But before he does that, he wants to make absolutely sure that his followers understand the teaching. It's, un it's understanding and following through with his teaching that makes the difference. It's not just knowing. It's following. Amen? Amen. Again, it will be like verse 14, like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted wealth to them. To the one he gave five bags of gold and to the other two bags and to the other one bag, each according to his own ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. 
But the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid it in his master's, hid his master's money. Then after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received the five bags of gold bought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I gave five more, or gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful, hear this, servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here it is, what belongs to you. And his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So, to the, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever ha- has will be given more and they will be given in abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow. Now, there's two things that I see out of this. Really quick, really simple. There are three people that the owner entrusted everything to, right? He gave certain amounts according to abilities. We got that. And that analogy right there is about God and us. It's very simple. Here's the difference. It wasn't that the other The first two were smarter. It wasn't that they went to the best financial school. It was their perspective about the owner. Did you see that? The third one, you are a hard man. You're hard. You're just, you're a taskmaster. I don't like working for you. I'm in fear of you. Because his attitude wasn't thankful for the owner. He ended up burying it and had nothing to show for it. It wasn't about the amount that they made. It's that their perspective and what they did with what they had. Why? Because he was, the first two were so thankful that the master was such a wonderful man. You see, I feel sorry for those who go to church every Sunday and treat God like this taskmaster and it's religion and I have to do this and I have to give my money and I have to give back and I have to go to church, have to do all these nice things. No way, man. Life's too short to live that way. I want to live because I love God because he loves me. I am so thankful. I wouldn't have anything, God, if it weren't from you. I understand and believe, God, your word. And therefore, God, I am changing my mind. I am changing, Lord, allowing you to change my heart. That, God, I believe everything here is yours. The MVCC here, right here today, I can tell you, 
one of the, the, the old reality is this. Number two is all the church is interested is my money. Okay? And can I tell you that I, if you're sitting here today thinking, oh, they just want more money. They want more people in the church so they can have more money. Can I just say before I give a biblical view on that, I understand that totally. I really do. That was one of the reasons I didn't go to church before I got saved. <laughs> All they want is my money and they want to tell me how bad I am. And oh yeah, some of those people, I know they're not living Christian because I see them. Mm-hmm. They're doing all the stuff that my friends do, partying, doing it up, all that stuff, and then they praise Jesus on Sunday. Don't give me that. I'm not going to your church. So I totally get that. It, it, it took Jesus to break my heart. It took Jesus to open my heart up because I was willing to position myself in a place to hear him to give me a new reality through his Holy Spirit. And the new reality is this. We are entrusted, here we go, to advance the owner's goals and not my own. Wow, that's like revolutionary. That's like life-changing. You mean the church really doesn't need all my money? I mean, no. I mean, think about it. If we didn't have any money and we had to sell the, pro sell the property, we would still be Christian. We would just meet in homes. I hope, I hope Mission Vale Christian Church... Uh, would continue to grow and expand. We'd be baptizing people in backyards of jacuzzis and stuff. But the fact that we have a staff to help equip you, we have missionaries that we support every month, and we have this incredible facility that we can have children come here and go to school. I mean, there's so many blessings that we have. It's, it's not about we want more money to do more things. I want you to get something from God. I want you to live the blessed life. I want God to open up all these blessings over your life, even over my life, when we just say, okay, Lord, I understand it's all yours. Can I just tell you that with this, the leadership that's here and the integrity that's here regarding our funds, our job is to give ourselves away. And there we find life. I, I can just tell you that from my heart. MVCC, this is so cool, over the past 10 years has given minimum of $1 million to missionaries who are out there in the bush preaching the gospel, who are working with children in orphanages who didn't have enough water and food and electricity, who are out there in, 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 in the obscurity of our world giving the gospel that we may never see, yet we trust and believe can, can I just tell you that over the years, giving back to people, even in our community, unwed mothers, teens that get pregnant, we, we feel it's so important that we have a voice that abortion is wrong. And I want to say that if you've had an abortion and you're sitting here today, that God is a forgiver and he's a healer. He can forgive it all. But we must, as a church, stand up and say, this is not right. This is wrong. And, and therefore, how do we do that? We do that by giving back. Yes, we cast our vote. Yes, we make our voice heard. But as I mentioned before, I don't think morality can really be legislated unless the heart is changed. So what can we do with these young girls that get pregnant and some of them thrown out of their homes or ostracized by their families? We give funds back to an organization that helps put their lives back together that they can keep those babies or give them up for an adoption. Those are just a few things that I, I want us to do more of those things. I want us to build up a younger generation that when the rest of us 
are gone from this life and we're with Jesus partying for eternity, that they will continue on to carry MVCC to the next level and it'll be even greater than it is now. And part of that, yes, finances are connected to that. Hundreds of souls have been saved over the past 10 years. Babies being saved, as I mentioned. Children who have a mom and a dad now because of adoption. Amazing stuff. So here, here, here's just some, some quick stats of where we are. Uh, can I just say, out of the past four weeks, when I stood up and mentioned to you just the hard reality that I wanted to be very honest and open with you about our finances, that we were no longer able to continue the route that we were on. We had to make some drastic changes. And I just want to say thank you so much for responding in, in giving back and going to God and say, God, what do we want to do? What do you want us to do, Lord? Our giving has increased over the past four weeks by 11%. That is awesome. That's, that's you. That's you. 55% increase of online giving. That is awesome. That is awesome. Now, reoccurring giving is in that. If you haven't gotten the app that Stephanie had mentioned, our children's pastor, if you haven't got logged on to reoccurring giving, I do that. Our staff, major, majority of our staff do it that way. Let, let me tell you some good reasons why that's, that's helpful. Because I know that if I'm sick or I'm on vacation, we're always going to be giving. It's just always going to be there for God. It, it, keeps, it keeps an accountability for my life. Well, you know what? We didn't really like the sermon today. Gosh, you know, there wasn't enough parking. I didn't get my seat. I didn't really like the songs. I think we're going to hold back. No, there's none of that. It keeps me accountable from getting whacked out with my own emotions. Because I'm going to give to God because I love God. If the church does something wrong, I'm, I'm, still, giving, I'm still giving to God because I trust and believe God. It's about his kingdom. The last week, 32% total giving online, reoccurring giving. I just, I, I'm so glad that we are headed in the right direction. And can I say to you that my father, when he taught me before he passed, he always ingrained in me, if you don't have it, you don't spend it. He just, he just drilled that down into my life. And I think that as a church, we want to be accountable to God the right way. I don't want us to get into heavy debt, unnecessary debt. I, I want us to live freely. And that means we've got to be committed. We've got to surrender everything we are to God. And yes, that means surrendering my finances. So this is where we want to be. I want us to be higher than the national average. The national average is 20% of the church supports the whole church financially. That's sad to me. That is so sad to know that there are folks who love God, they're saved, they come to church every week and maybe even serve and give back, but well, I'm not really invested financially. That's sad. That's, that's really locking myself up in a financial prison where I won't experience the freedom of walking in a blessing. I know this to be firsthand. This is firsthand stuff that I'm sharing with you today. My life would not be as good as it is. And even, yes, with its problems and, and issues I got in my life, oh my gosh, I, my life wouldn't be half of what it is if, if God didn't teach me about giving back. It's not about me and what I want. So what does God say about all this? I love that parable. I love the story. It wasn't about how much. It's about how I view God. And, and if I am so thankful, God, then my heart and my actions will reflect that. I, I don't want to live in this rat race. I, I, personally, I have to fight to not get into that cycle. 
to not get into the cycle of more, more, more. Got to go here, got to go there, and never have any time to center down with the Holy Spirit and just listen and be with God. And therefore, my attitude and my thinking is so different when I see people. Then I now see people with a whole different perspective. This person is hurting over here. This person has a need. This person is, 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 is out of control. What can I do to serve somebody else? It just comes from a mindset of just being thankful. Let me just quickly tell you a story about a family of five here in South Orange County. Bought into the system, the cycle that we had seen on the screen. Got into debt really quick. Started worrying. Started slapping down credit cards to pay for more of the bills. And just got into the cycle of 50, over $55,000 in credit card debt. Not counting mortgage and just regular bills. Living in the rat race. He decided, the father decided, enough is enough. I'm not living like this anyway. Instead of just and I'm not saying that bankruptcy is always wrong, but he chose not to take that particular way out. He made a decision. We are going to follow God's principles regardless of how we feel about it regarding our finances. We're just going to do it. So they looked at what the Bible said. There's so much in the Bible about money. It's awesome. He decided that they were going to apply themselves as a family, not just him, as a family. Can I just quickly, because of the sake of time, tell you that they are now living debt-free, except for their mortgage. Their generosity has absolutely increased. They are happy. They are blessed. Not that their life is perfect, but they're walking and living, kingdom living, because they are in the new reality. It's this simple. They position themselves to get blessed. it's It's just how it works. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for my family. That's what I want for us at MVCC. The new reality. Number three, last one, the old reality is I'm the provider. I make the money, it's mine. The new reality is God is the provider. Philippians 4.19, and my God will meet all your needs. All your needs. According to the riches of what? His glory in Christ Jesus. Can I just say that um, my wife and I have lived here in, in South County and I was living on a youth pastor's salary. And for those uh, maybe just kind of guests here and haven't been here for a while, just want to quickly tell this, because it just, it blows me away every time I think about it. My wife and I were able to buy a home in Mission Viejo, which is tough. We are able to have two decent cars, clothes on our back, food to eat, everything that we need. When my wife and I prayed and prayed and prayed, we didn't want to rent anymore. We didn't want to just throw our money down every month. We wanted to buy a home. Can I just, long story short is this. Somebody came to us and said, we'll take care of your down payment. You don't have to pay it back. Can I just tell you this, just from my heart? I do not believe that that happened because we had everything just in order and I read all the books. Not to say that that's not important. We should be, we should keep ourselves current on what's going on. It was simply because my pastor, when he married my wife and I, Laura, 32 years ago, he said, you love God, you love your wife, and you give back to God. In that order. You love God first. You love your wife and you give back to God. From the moment we came back from our honeymoon, we wrote that check. We said, we're going to give God our first fruits. We're giving him our very best because he deserves our best. 
He gave us his best, Jesus. That is the reason we have what we need. I, 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 it, just, it just, there's a spiritual dynamic that happens. Now, I'm not saying it always comes in the form of finances. It doesn't always come that way. I finished with this. My, my, I truly believe, my life is blessed. My, my wife had to have surgery. She had cancer two years ago. My father died in January. My mom has dementia. She's dying. If someone were to look at my life, it doesn't sound like you're very blessed to me. I am. I am so blessed. Let me, let me just share with you. I believe because we just give back to Mission Vale Christian Church. We just, we don't even think about it. We just do it because we love God and we love you and we love what God's doing here. When, when this tragedy happened in Pittsburgh over the Jewish synagogue, when those 11 people were shot down, gunned down, the tragedy was horrific. I couldn't believe what I was watching, that the Jewish people were cornered and targeted by this evil. So my first inclination was to begin praying. As I saw CNN and Fox News, I was watching. I just started praying for the families. And I thought, God, we are 3,000 miles away. What in the world could we do? God just spoke to me. You have a Shabbat right here on the corner of Tribuco and Marguerite. So I drove down there. I didn't know how to get a hold of the rabbi. I knew Rabbi Marcus from the National Day of Prayer three years ago, but I didn't personally know him where I could call him up. I didn't have his phone number. So I drove just quick, just took a drive over there for the first three days after that tragedy. I couldn't find him, couldn't get a hold of him. Notice there were locks on the doors and stuff. I thought, man, they have alarms and doorbells now. Sad. It was Friday, right before Sabbath. It was about five o'clock. I drove up. He happened to be there. I said, Rabbi Marcus. The Jewish, you know, Rabbi Marcus, we just gave one another a hug. I just, man, tell me what's happening. How are your people doing? How's the Jewish community feeling about all this? What are you guys doing? And he began to share for about 45 minutes about how he still believes there's love in the world. And I just listened. And then I said this. I said, Rabbi Marcus, what could we do at Missionville Christian Church? What, what can we, is there something we can do for you? He stopped with his top hat on and his tass prayer tassels and his prayer shawl and long beard. And he said, you know what? We don't have security here. And I tried everything we could to get some security for tomorrow's service on the Sabbath. But do you know a security company? Know a security company? We have security here. We, unfortunately, we had to do that a couple of years ago. Some guys that are just committed to just keeping a watchful eye for your safety. Because you never know in our world what's going to happen. I made, one, I made one phone call. Within five minutes, there were four guys that made it over there at eight in the morning, sat through the whole service, talked with the rabbi, talked with the people, just let them know, hey, we'll help you set up a security team. We're here to support you and love you. The next, the next hour after he was coming out of the Shabbat, came out of there Saturday, I was walking out with the rabbi. He said, you know what? There's a candlelight vigil at the Norman P. Murray Center Sunday night. Could you come and just say a word? I said, Rabbi Marcus, I would love to do that. It would be an honor. So 300 people, I don't know, maybe some of you were there at Norman P. Murray Center on the soccer field, candlelit, everything. Everyone's there just, you know, very sad and mourning and very sad, obviously, and rightly so. And he got up, the mayor got up and gave some words. Mimi Walters was there and she gave some words. The rabbi got up and when the rabbi spoke, it was like every eye, every heart was riveted. And then he asked if I'd just come and share a few words. And he, he put his arm, you know, around me at, at a moment before I walked up. And I thought, Lord, I am so blessed to be here, to be able to share a word in front of the mayor of Mission Viejo and the city council and Mimi Walters and people, 300 people from our community that probably don't go to church, some of them. 
I thought, Lord, this is such a blessing from you. My life is not about me. My life is not about what I want to do. I wouldn't want to do that. I'd be one at home watching football. The Rams win their ninth game. That's what I want to do. But well, Lord, my life is in service to you. Why am I so blessed? I believe because you've given me your very best. And I'm just so thankful, God, that I just want to give back to you. And God starts opening all these doors. He starts opening all these opportunities. And all these opportunities are not about me. Those opportunities are for him. Because I so believe in eternity. I so believe the gospel. I so believe the Bible. And I want to live this kingdom living. Lord, my life is now in service to you. And he just keeps blessing and blessing and blessing and blessing. Amen? Amen. I hope you'll take these principles. I, I hope that as we just kind of laid some groundwork, next week we're going to continue to get into living free and we're going to talk also, the third week we'll wrap it up with how can I, in this cycle of rat race, how in the world, God, can I give financially to you and live that blessed life? Amen? We're so glad you were able to join us today. If you'd like more information on this teaching or any other teaching, check out our website at mvcchome.org.